shouted out so crazy that someone who was actually going through what they heard got offended. And what I don't want to do is hear something so good that I go crazy because I'm not going through it. And somebody who is going through it, they receive the word less because everybody got rowdy. Don't have sex with your boyfriend. Somebody who's having sex with their boyfriend is going to be like this. If everybody's like, oh, Pastor Dennis said that. And so tonight, the way that we fix that is we don't think that Pastor Dennis is preaching to anybody else. We don't, we don't think that God is speaking to anybody else. We take every single word personally. Can I get an amen? We're going to do that tonight. Can we do that tonight? Everything that is said tonight, I don't want you to be like, oh, he's saying that to them. I want you to be like, oh, he said that to, to me. Because if we all take what God speaks personally, we won't offend somebody else with the message God is throwing our way. Can I get an amen? I want to make sure you're with me on this part. Because this is going to set up everybody in the room for success as they hear God speak. And I would hate to minimalize somebody's message because I'm getting so hype on what I heard because it sounded good. And so tonight, I want to preach. And if you're taking notes, can I see your notebook? Can I see your glow-in-the-dark notebook if it's a phone? Come on, I just want to see it. Awesome, awesome. If you didn't just raise up your hand with something to take notes, please make sure tonight is the first night in your life that you are truly blessed by taking notes. Because uh, I guarantee you won't remember what I said next week when you're struggling with it. Uh, so make sure you're taking some notes, taking it home, and, and going over it a couple of times so it can help you out. If you're taking notes tonight, uh, the title of my message is, We're Not Really Strangers. And I'm excited to go over this because um, I believe it, it's going to bless your life. Come on, let's pray real quick before we get into this. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. <sighs> hey, Jesus. Um, it's Dennis. I don't want to preach this sermon because it's really difficult to talk about what we're going to talk about tonight. But I trust that I'm not creating all these man-made ideas. I trust that what I'm speaking tonight comes directly from you, God. I trust you. I really do. And so in the next 30 minutes, God, don't let me be prideful enough to get all the glory for myself. Don't let me say things that will make me look good. God, help me teach people how to look like you, Jesus. This entire series is based on looking more like you. Not being a better version of ourselves, but being a better reflection of who you are and who you made us to be, God. And so tonight, I pray that you would speak to us. Come on, everybody in the room, repeat after me. Say, Jesus, I am here. Speak to me. I'm ready to listen. Come on, and everybody says, amen and amen. I want to go ahead and read uh, John 21. Please write this uh, this little passage down is so good. John 21, we're going to start in 15. The Bible says this, after breakfast, Jesus said, Simon Peter, or Simon son of John, do you love me more than these? And Simon's response was, yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know that I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him, verse 16. Jesus repeated the question, Simon son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you then take care of my sheep. Jesus said, verse 17, a third time, somebody say third. A third time, he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? The Bible says Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus replied, then feed my sheep. Come on, I want you to write this down. Love leads to action every single time 
100% of the time, not 90, not when you feel good, not when you think it's right, not whenever it's going the right way and when things are not going wrong. I said love leads to action 100% of the time. And what Jesus teaches us here is that love doesn't give you tasks, love gives you responsibility. See, look what Jesus said. Jesus said, feed my sheep. In other words, when Jesus understood that Peter loved him, it became personal. See, tonight I need you to understand that love is going to take for you to invest. You got to invest intentionally. Let me give you the other side of the scope. Ready? You're always invested. Somebody's like, to the moon. Shut up. No, come on. <laughs> Not here, bro. <laughs> After service, for sure. Talk to me. I got like $100 in that thing. Whatever. Anyway. Love will always take investing. And here's what. Whether you want to or don't want to, whether it's intentional or unintentional, you are always invested. So here's question number one that you have to ask yourself. Ready? What am I investing? I'm going to hit you with another question in 10 seconds. Not really. It's going to be right now. Ready? The second question is, who am I investing it in? You got to ask yourself, what am I investing and who am I investing it in? Because here's the key. You are always investing. You are always giving, whether you do it intentionally or unintentionally. So you got to slow down tonight. Come on, week one. And you got to ask yourselves, what am I investing and who am I investing it in? Well, why do I have to ask myself these questions? Because Jesus says something in Matthew 7 that pushes us to ask these questions. Ready? Look what Jesus says. Go, throw it up. Matthew 7, 6. Do not give dogs what is sacred. This is my favorite part of the verse. Ready? ready? It slapped me in the face. It slapped me bad. Ready? Don't throw your pearls to pigs. Because if you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Jesus specifically says, don't give your most valuable things to people who won't appreciate them. Don't give your pearls to pigs. But now, now this is where it gets a little funky. Just because Jesus says, don't feed your pearls to pigs, doesn't mean everybody already has their pearls. You see, because we would read verses like this and be like, I'm so valuable. I'm way too valuable for Stefan. If your name is Stefan in the room, I'm not talking about you. <laughs> I actually don't know Stefan, so don't take offense. <laughs> when you read this verse, you might be thinking, oh, my God, I can't give them my time. I can't give them. I am way too valuable. And we would read verses like this, and we would think that God is gassing us up when really he's not gassing you up. He's directing you in the right way. And tonight when Jesus says, don't feed your pearls to pigs, you got to ask yourself, do I even have pearls to give? See, I want you to understand that pearls are not something you have. Pearls are something that is formed. You know, if, if you look at how a pearl is made, you understand this verse so much bigger. See, because a pearl is made when a clam is in the ocean just minding its own business. And scientists will teach you that when a pearl is formed, it's because a small organism entered the mouth of the clam and it disrupted what was happening inside. And so the clam created a saliva or a cecum that would cover over the organism and harden itself into a pearl. In other words, pearls are formed by interruptions. And so many of us in this room tonight, we have not stayed in seasons of our life long enough to form pearls. Because you get in one relationship and you bounce when it's wrong. You get into the next relationship and you bounce when it's wrong. You got one friend group this week and the next friend group, you have another one the next week. When they stop serving you, you leave, right? Because the world has taught us, if it don't serve me, then I should not be here. 
And so we hear verses like this, and we're like, oh, my God, I, I can't be giving my pearls away. You don't got pearls, baby. You got pennies. You have not taken the time. Ready, ready, ready? In the shelter of the clam to form what was supposed to come out of you. It's in the shell, in the darkness of the shell. Can I let you know single season is the best season to set up the rest of your life? It's in the covering of the shell. I hear God saying, it's in the covering of my presence. It's in the covering of my word. It's in the covering of my promise. It's in the covering of my process that your pearls are formed. You know, many of us, we, we would hear a verse like this. <laughs> I love people like you because I'm like that sometimes, ready? We, we would hear verses like this, don't feed your pearls to pigs, and we would automatically assume that everyone around us is a pig. You know, I, I think it's crazy because sometimes in this story, we're the pigs. Sometimes it's not even the person who's the pig, it's the environment that's the pig. And maybe you're married, right, and you're saying, like, I'm already with my boo thing. I know she's not a pig because she's my wife. But sometimes the pigs in your marriage is the conversations that you're having. It's the I'm not thinking before I'm speaking. I'm just kind of sharing it out there. And oftentimes, we would have the right, the right conversation with our wife at the wrong time and turn it into the wrong conversation. Because you did not take time to take your thoughts and insecurities to God and process them with him before you brought it to your wife. And so when Jesus says, don't feed your pearls to pigs, it's more than just the people that are around you. It's the things that you're releasing. You see, this verse is less about those around you, and it's more about what you're giving up. And many of us, we would assume that everyone's a pig when we read a verse like this. You know, we say things like, ready, ready? I know you said this. I know you said this. Come on. You ain't slipping under me. They're all the same. Oh, her? No, 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 no. She just like her friends. Can I pastor you tonight? I think if you have the mentality that they're all the same, you think too highly of yourself. I think we have to be careful because when Jesus tells us don't feed your pearls to pigs, we exempt ourselves from the possibility of being a pig. Oh, he could not be talking about me. The pearl's got to be in my hand. And many of us would make the mistake that thinking everyone's a pig. I, okay, I want us all to collaborate together tonight to make a decision that we're going to stop dating out of pride. That we're going to stop looking about what they can give me and how I can get it. And I'm not just talking about sex. Sometimes the most important thing that someone can give you that's a distraction isn't sex. It's attention. It's time. And when Jesus says, don't feed your pearls to pigs, he's not necessarily speaking on your body unless that's your struggle. He's talking about things that are inside of you, things that he formed inside of you. It's about your integrity. It's about your honesty and your hope. It's about your faith and who you are in private. When Jesus says, don't feed your pearls to pigs, he's talking about your identity. Don't lose yourself to be with someone else. I want to stop dating out of pride. I want to stop entering conversations with people about how smart I can look like in this conversation, about how cool I can be in this conversation. I don't want to enter a circle just to impress people. I want to press something on their heart. I want to give them something that matters. I want to lift them up because when I lift others up, I am then lifted up. But oftentimes, we treat the backs of people like stairs, and we forget that God called us to be a bridge. And so tonight, God is speaking to you and he's saying, hey, don't feed your pearls to pigs, but don't believe that everyone is a pig. 
I would actually say just because they smell don't mean that they're a pig. I want you to write this down. And I need you to understand it's not for them, but for you. Everyone enters a relationship with baggage. That is the truth. You know, my mama used to tell me she got problems. You got to be careful because she's going to end up like her mama. You're going to be careful because look at how her dad is and she's going to look like that. And look at how her cousin is. Her cousins are ratchet. You're going to end up like that. And with every girl that I ever give attention to, my mom would compare them to the family that they had. And it would scare me because I'm like, man, I can't deal with a girl who's got baggage. Because they would always tell me to stay away. I had no idea I was strong enough to get close. I had no idea that God actually called me to get close. So when a friend would come up to me and have struggles that I didn't know about, I would run away and think that they were crazy. But God is actually reminding us tonight that everyone enters your life with baggage, including yourself. So don't be afraid of dating this man just because he got a little bit of problems. Don't be afraid of talking to her just because she a little bit crazy. <laughs> like she's going to have baggage whether she's ratchet or real. Like it don't matter. She will have baggage. She will have problems. But then that brings us to this conversation, right? Because Jesus says don't feed your pearls to pigs, but not everybody who smells is a pig. So, so how do I know whether it's the right one or the wrong one? How do I know this is worth my investment? I want you to write this down, and I believe this is going to help so many people out. Ready? If you have to invest in them what only God can give, it's not the right time. If you have to invest in them what only God can give, it's not the right time. Now, I'm never going to be the pastor to say they're not the right person. That's not my role to say. But I will always tell you when is the right time and the wrong time. And I need to let you know, if you got to give them something that only God can give them, it's not the right time, my friend. I care about you enough to not make you run the extra mile that you were never called to run. I care about you enough to make sure you know if God is called to give that to them, you were not called to give that to them. I'm talking about things like salvation. We talked about this last week, being unequally yoked. Some of us in this room were, were married, and I get that, and you're probably like, well, like, he's a Christian. How does this apply to me? Or you're saying, well, I've already married him. How does this apply to me? I think there's certain conversations that you enter with your spouse that they're not supposed to have with you just yet. Because, again, remember, it's not that they're the wrong person. It's just the wrong time. So maybe that conversation is for tonight, not right now because my emotions are flustered up and maybe my husband is not speaking to me from direction but from insecurity and that's something only God can give him and so at this moment what I'll tell my husband is hey I think you're speaking to me from a place of insecurity and I don't want to damage it even more maybe we should talk about this in 30 minutes maybe we should not make this the right time for that conversation maybe we should get some food first like for real you know maybe how about I don't cook how about we go, like, get some hibachi? Let's talk about it when the chef is in front of us so that we know we won't yell at each other. You know what I'm saying? Like, create some boundaries in the conversations you have. In other words, don't feed your pearls to pigs. And so tonight, I, I, I guess what God is, is saying to you is, if I haven't given it to them, you'll never be able to give to them. I, 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 guess, I guess the best way that I can say it to you is they, if they have not received what God gave them, they'll never be able to receive what you give them. 
Like if the creator of heaven and earth has tried to give them something and they said no to the creator of heaven and earth, why would they say yes to your creation, God? Like, like how does that work? I, I can say no to the creator, but yes to the creation. It, it doesn't work that way. And there's certain things that you have to understand. This is their identity they're asking for. I can't give them that. This is, this is acceptance that they're asking for, but what they really need is freedom. I can't give them that. This is an addiction that they're struggling with, but they think it's entertainment. I, I can't give them that. And so tonight, we have to make a decision to stop doing what only God can do in the lives of other people. Now, now this is mainly for my single people. That does not mean that you ignore them. It just means that you cheer them on, but don't lead them on. There's a difference in that. Because some of us, we'd look at somebody who doesn't know God, and we'd be like, no, but like, don't worry. Like, I could save them. But you, but you didn't die on a cross for them. Wait, but you were not in the grave for three days and resurrect. Wait, but you did not save their soul. You did not get all the wages of their sin and put it on your shoulders. You didn't do that. So there's no way that you could ever do what only God could do. Maybe you can play a role, but you will not play the right role if you're leading them on. And so here, here's, what it, here's what it looks like, what it sounds like. So you can actually start practicing this today. Because I believe there's some people here that you've got some, some boo things out there that don't come to church, that don't know Jesus. And you think that you've got the willpower to do it. And I'm not knocking you. I, I think you might be able to. I honestly do. I think there might come a day where they can know Jesus because of your life. So I'm not saying that it's wrong. I'm saying that you might be doing it unhealthily doing the right thing in the wrong direction. Because instead of pointing them to Jesus, you're pointing them to you and you're walking to Jesus. And so the moment you look away from God because you're distracted or you're struggling or you're going through something, guess what? They're not gonna be able to see him either. You see, leading them on sounds like, hey, come with me or let's go too or let's do this. But cheering them on says, hey, there you go. You got this. You're on your way. And we got too many people that are pointing to themselves to show off Jesus instead of pointing to Jesus for others to see them for themselves. And tonight, if you're with somebody that does not know God, I'm not saying ignore them. But what I am saying is stop pointing to you. Point to Jesus. It works. It works. Point to Jesus. It works. I saw a pastor uh, say it like this. Uh, where, uh, babe, here we go. I'm going to need you to hold my hand for a second. It's not that, it's not that I can't pull her up. Give me your hand. It's not that I can't pull her up. I won't fall. Come on. I'm a basketball player. Let's go, girl. It's not that I can't pull her up, but that it's that it's easier for her to pull me down than it is to pull me up. So it's not that I'm better than her, but it's that we have to be on the same level if we're going to be equally yoked. We have to be going together. And if I'm here knowing Jesus, following Jesus, guess what she's looking up to? Me. You know who jacked up heaven because everybody was looking at them? The devil. And it's crazy that as a spouse or a significant other, we would take the identity of Satan by making us think that others can see Jesus through us instead of pointing them to look at him directly. Yes, she can see Jesus through you, but if she ever thinks that you're Jesus, you made the Satan mistake. And so tonight, what I'm trying to say is don't try to pull them up. Try to tell them how to go up. Let go of their hand. Show them how to step. Show them how to move. You know, I, I've seen a lot of people leave church recently. Uh-oh. 
And you know what I can almost always tie it to? The people that they're with. Almost every single time. People that are strangers that I don't even know, but I know who they're hanging out with. People that are close to me that I know, and I know who, like every, every scope of a stranger to a best friend, to a lonely person, to someone who only came one time, I can always see that they didn't come for a second time because all the people they're with never came in here. And people will always end up with the people they end up with. And so then I, I guess what, what God is speaking is saying, hey, 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 hold on. Before you can even practice not throwing your pearls to pigs, you got to spend enough time with me to actually form some pearls. And if you're with people that don't know how to form pearls, it's going to be so much harder for you to form pearls for yourself. You know, there's a story in the Bible. It's a story of Mary and Martha. I got eight minutes. I'm chilling. It's a story of Mary and Martha. And the Bible says that Jesus was sitting down. He was just chilling. He was reclining, as the scriptures say. And right in front of him at the floor was a woman named Mary. Somebody say Mary. Mary was chilling on the floor, and the Bible says that Jesus was speaking to Mary. He was just dropping, like, wisdom bombs. He was just like, boom, bang. Here's what the Bible says, bang, blow, boom, ding, right? He was going in. And on the other side of the house, there was a woman by the name of Martha. Somebody say Martha. And Martha was in the kitchen, and she was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, what's going on? Oh, my God. I work at Olive Garden, uh, and I'm always in the kitchen, and we always turning up. And I know how hectic it can get. And so I, it's like 20 people in the back, and we're like super hectic. I can imagine Martha when the Bible says that Martha was going all over the place. She was cooking and cleaning, and she goes to Jesus, the Bible says, and says, Jesus. Jesus. Yo, Jesus. If Jesus had a middle name, she would have said his middle name. You know what I'm saying? Jesus. I've been working hard, cooking and cleaning. I've been making all this food for everybody. And my sister Mary has been sitting down by you the entire time. Can you tell her to get up and help me? If Martha was like our mom, she would have said, when I die, you're going to miss me. <laughs> Wait till you have kids. My mama always says, uh, you are a son, but one day you're going to have a son. And that's what Martha looked like right there. Jesus, why doesn't she help? Can you tell her something? And Jesus responds, Mary is doing everything that she needs. And nothing can take this away from her. You, you know what's crazy about this story? That the one who was cooking was the only one that was starving. And I think in a lot of our relationships, we're the one that's in the kitchen just throwing it down and we're giving out and we're cooking and cooking and cooking, but we're the only one starving. And tonight God is stopping you in your tracks and he's saying, hey, Stop giving your pearls to pigs. You're the only one who hasn't eaten. Stop giving when it's been so long since you've received. And many of us, listen to this carefully, many of us would make the mistake of thinking it's other people's responsibility to help us receive. But it's not. So you would tweet things like, oh, I love too easily. I give to everybody, but nobody gives to me. It's nobody's responsibility to give to you. That's something that belongs to God. And just like I told you that sometimes we give to people what only God can give, sometimes we require of people what only God can give. And tonight through the story of Mary and Martha, God is reminding us there are certain things that only I can feed you. And every relationship you enter will be dysfunctional if you have not been fed by your father. You know, it's, it's crazy that Martha thought everybody needed food in the room. But what they needed was a heavenly father. 
it's crazy that you would think his struggle is insecurity when really it's identity. You see, you can deal with insecurity, but identity, identity that can only come from God. It's not your responsibility. It's not your problem. In the words of Drake and Josh, that is not my job. <laughs> so tonight, determine, ready, ready, what you're investing. Is that something only God can invest and you're just making a, a small substitute version of it? And number two, who am I investing in? Am I giving my pearls to pigs? Or am I giving it to someone that God has sent my way? So now I, I got to close off with this. I got four minutes ready. Now the question is, how do I invest? I think, I, oh, here it is. Right, because we know what to invest. We know who to invest in. But now we have to ask ourselves, well, how do I do it the right way? You know, I, I got my girlfriend uh, and I this awesome game for our three-year anniversary. Come on, somebody. We made three years a couple weeks ago. Let's, let's go. What's up? I'm going to stop there because she gets too nervous. And uh, this game is called We're Not Really Strangers. Um, and it's the coolest game I ever had in my life. The, the, like, the quote of the game is that feelings may arise. And uh, so you best believe feelings did arise, and it was fun, and it was cool. Uh, but there's three levels to this game. Level number one is perception. It's all about how you see each other. And the questions that come into the game, it, it teaches you, well, what, what are the three things that you like about me? What are the three things that I did last week that you just felt a special appreciation for? It, it's about perception. How did you see me when I did this? Or, or how did you see me in this season of your life? Step number two is connection. That's the second level of this game. And it's about saying things that you could do to each other or for each other to feel closer. What are three ways that you feel close to your partner so you can develop and practice those things? And then step number three is reflection. Step number three is pretty crazy because it brings back memories of your past. How did it feel when blank happened? How did it feel when she did this or he did that? And I want you to understand that tonight I'm going to use this game to help us understand how to invest in relationships. Ready? Step number one is perception. See, perception is how you see things. And if you see a relationship the wrong way, when you get into one, you'll build the wrong thing. See, oftentimes we know that we have to build a puzzle, but we're looking at a different picture than the pieces that were given to us. And so tonight, I need you to understand before you can invest, you got to see it how God intended it to be. I love uh, 1 John 4.10, and, and don't throw it up yet. Wait till I start reading it. A lot of us, we go to the definition of love to 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy your bows, right? And I love that verse. But I think there's a verse that's super slept on. It's my favorite verse in the entire Bible, not just when it comes to love, but the entire Bible. And it should be up there with 1 Corinthians 13. It's 1 John 4.10. Ready? Throw it up. It says, this is real love. Like, it just throws it on you. Bang. What is love? This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. See, I need you to understand that love equals sacrifice. We said this in the beginning, love leads to action. So when you enter into a relationship, have the right perception of, the, of what a relationship is supposed to be, you got to understand this is about what I can give more than it is about what I can get. Because Jesus teaches me, it's not that I loved him, but it's that he loved me first. 
So if you want to love like God, write this down, please. You got to love first. If I want to love like God, I have to love first. I know she didn't text me in the morning, but I'm going to love first. I know we argued last night and we fell asleep arguing, but I'm going to wake up and I'm going to let her know I forgive her because I'm going to love first. It's not about who can do it first. It's about me doing it first. It's not a competition. I'm here to serve. I'm here with the right perception. It's not about what I can get. It's about what I can give. Before you can invest, you got to have the right mind. Number two, I love this one, connection. 1 John 17, 21, the Bible says, I pray that they will be one. This is Jesus praying to God, and he says, God, I pray that they would be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you, may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. Jesus, in this moment, he's praying, and out of anything that he could pray, he prayed for us to be united. He prayed for us to be united the same way that Jesus was united with his heavenly Father. I, I need to do a parenthesis here, and I don't really want to talk about this, but I believe this needs to be called out right now in our generation. It's impossible to have unity if we're all going to be subtweeted. It's the truth. It's the truth. I love that the way Jesus wanted us to be together, he did it through prayer. And so maybe what we need to do is stop talking about each other and start praying with each other. Maybe the best way to end gossip isn't even by hashing it out. It's just by praying over each other together on the same phone call, in the same room, at the same time that you can hear her and she can hear you. I need you to understand that subtweeting has no place where God desires unity. It doesn't. And if you're listening to the sound of my voice, I'm not even going to ask you or suggest, but what I am going to say is that it ends here. Because God deserves for you to have good relationship with the people around you. And you will never be one with the person you talk about. You can only be one with the person you talk to. And so tonight, if that lives in your heart, I'm not judging you, but I'm saying that's not who you're called to be. That does not belong in your life. If you sound one way with that person and with your girlfriends or boyfriends or your homies and, and your homegirls, you talk differently about them. I need to let you know that has to stop now because maybe the person you're talking about is called to be your best friend to take you to the worst seasons of your life that you're about to go through, but you won't have them in your life when you need them if you keep on talking about them. And so tonight Jesus prays, hey, I, I just want them to be one. I want them to be so together that it looks like me and God are together. And that way the world, the strangers would know that I'm real because of the way that they love and live with each other. Perception, you need it. To invest properly, you need connection. The best way to do that, let's start practicing this, call someone and pray with them. You're too nervous for that? That's okay. Call someone and ask them to pray for you. It's a good step. Ask your wife to pray for you more often. Babe, I'm just like nervous. Like, can you just, can you just throw your arm around me and pray for me? Like, I'm not trying to speak in tongues or nothing, if you know what I mean. I just, I just need prayer. Just a still moment of prayer. And I, I need your voice to call on heaven for me. If you're a wife, man, don't be ashamed to ask for prayer. Like a godly man should be praying for his wife. But don't expect that from a man that you're pushing away when it comes to prayer. You need to open up that door for him, my friend. He gots to. And step number three, this is, this is kind of where, where I hit home. 
Number one is perception. Number two is connection. If you want to invest properly in your relationships, how do I do that? Number three, it's reflection. Can I let you know the more you remember, the less you'll assume? I think we self-destruct our relationships with a lot of assumptions. And, and me and my girlfriend, we talk about this constantly. We say that the, the best way to ruin a relationship is assumptions. And something I've learned throughout the years through her, because I have not been practicing this, but I've learned through her that remembering is the best way to stop assuming. Can I be honest with you guys? I'm three minutes over, but I'm going to end here. Can I be honest with y'all? I had trust issues for a long time. Like a long time. And I didn't deal with it before I met my current relationship. And I put her through so much pain because I didn't deal with things in my heart and it ended up spilling all over her. I need to let you know, you should date with scars but not open wounds. And I stepped into this relationship because I was so excited for it, but I had too many open wounds and instead of showing her my story of victory, I ended up bleeding out on top of her. Let's just get real. In my family, there's a lot, what do you call that? Infidelity, there's a lot of infidelity in my family, so much. Like, nobody's been exempt from it. Like, all across the board. And so my thought to myself was, if my own family can do this, nobody's exempt from doing this to me. And the people that I looked up to the most went through horrible seasons in their life as a relationship. My aunts, my uncles, my, my grandparents, my, my close friends and their parents. Like, it was like everywhere I go, there was a cheating story. And so I entered into this relationship. I entered into this room with a person, and I said, man, if they can do it, so can she. And everywhere I went, I was questioning, and I was doubting, and everything was going great, but I would see something that was inaccurate, and I would get worried. And time and time again, we argued, and we fought over and over until one day, all I had to do was look back at every single argument that she stayed through at every single insecurity that she dealt with, at every single moment that I wanted to throw everything away because of a lie and a doubt, and she stayed consistent, and now I don't have to look at her and argue. All I have to do is look back and say, if she stayed with me then, I know she'll stay with me now. And what I'm trying to teach you tonight is that remembering is the best way to keep on going. And tonight, if you're insecure and you're worried, what you have to do is remember what God has done for you all these years. And know that if he didn't fail you then, he won't fail you now. I know you're getting things that you don't believe you deserve to get. I know there's things that you're not getting that you believe you deserve that you should have. But if he didn't fail you before, he won't fail you now. If he didn't work out then but God was still with you, believe me, in the next relationship, God will still be with you. I'll be going way over my time, but I believe there's some good stuff that, I, that, that God's put in my heart. And, and I want to let you know about the first time that I ever said I love you. It was so stupid. <laughs> I'm such a loser, bro. <laughs> I remember, I, I, and, and you can ask her, and we're very honest about it. We're an open book, honestly. Um, and when I first met her and we started saying, like, hey, like, we have feelings for each other, right? I was like, okay, but we're not saying I love you. Because in my last relationship, I said I love you, and it just didn't work out. And so I'm afraid of saying I love you. And I put that wall up real quick. <laughs> I love you. And there was one day we were on the phone, and she was like, I don't care what you have to say. I don't even care that you don't say it back. I love you. I said, okay. <laughs> 
I remember after she said, I love you, there was a silence. I was like. It's the one thing you don't want after the first I love you. I just quiet. It was like a minute and 30 seconds, but it felt like three days. It felt like I was a caterpillar, got stuck in a cocoon, and I came out a butterfly. What? I don't even know. Whatever. Forget it. But I remember at that moment, when I heard her say the words, I love you, the first thing that I thought of was, God, I don't know if I want to go this step because I'm too scared. I was me. I'm too scared, God. And I remembered the last relationship I was in, and I said, God, I remember that it didn't work out, but you were still here. And you've brought me to this point. And so, God, I'm going to dive all the way in, trusting that if this doesn't work out, you're still going to be with me. And the moment that I could tell her that I love her was the moment I realized that God loved me no matter what relationship I was in, no matter what partner that I had. The moment I could love someone with all my heart was the moment I realized in the best days and the worst days, with the good people and the bad people, God was still with me. And tonight, my friend, I want to remind you that you might be dating someone who does not know God. You might be in the worst relationship of your life, but God loves you. And that's what gives you enough strength to break up. That's what gives you enough strength to keep going. That's what gives you enough strength to invest in every relationship that you have. You see, friends, we're not really strangers because we're all going through similar things with similar people, and we have to go to the same God to get us through our mess. So I'm gonna ask that everybody would bow their heads and close their eyes in this room because some people in this room are hearing for the first time or the first time in a long time that God still loves them despite their mess. And tonight, I need to let you know, before you can have a relationship with anyone else, you need to have a relationship with the creator and author of life. And so I'm giving you an opportunity. I need to let you know, friend, nobody's looking around. Every eye closed, every head bowed. There's so many people in this room who made this decision just a few months ago, just a few years ago. And so tonight, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want to give you a moment to say yes to God. And so at the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Nobody's looking around. Every eye closed, every head bowed. And tonight, if you're saying, man, I want to better my life. I want to better my relationships. And I know I need God to do that. Come on, at the count of three, raise your hand. Ready? One, two, three. Come on, hands lifted up all over this room. I see one hand. I see two hands. Is there anybody else in this room? Come on. Amen. Come on, there's two hands. I see a third hand. Come on, anybody else in this room saying, tonight, I need Jesus in my heart. Tonight, I need Jesus in my life. Tonight, I need him in my soul. Amen. Come on, church. We got three brothers and sisters that said yes to Jesus. Come on, stand up on your feet, church. Come on, there's a party in heaven. There's a celebration. Come on, people went from death to life. The Bible says this, that if you believe in your heart and declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that you will be saved. You see, that belief part happens when you raise your hand. That's why we do it. Because this is a sign that I believe in my heart. He saved me. Now the only part missing is that you have to declare with your mouth. And at New Birth, we never want you to walk alone, so we don't let you start alone. And so this prayer, we're all saying it together. Come on, church. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. If you raised your hand, this prayer is for you. Say it out loud. And everybody around you, they're going to say it out loud too. Come on. Say, Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I am a sinner in need of a Savior. And tonight, I declare that you are that Savior. Because you gave me your life. 
I give you mine from here until we meet again in heaven. In Jesus' name. Come on, everybody say it real loud with me. Amen, amen, and amen. Come on, you can do better than that. Three. So